Welcome to Monkey and Frank. Matt, you're back on the podcast and I'm so excited. How are you, my friend? I'm breathing and I'm well. Right? The breath is the most important thing I noticed. Like on top of intention, on top of doing the work and noticing that you have to practice at every moment so that the ego and the body learns from you. Um, the breath, man. Holy shit. I saw your, uh, your video on uh, Instagram about the, the breath of fire. And I had a question about that one, actually, now that we're jumping right into it. The breath of fire, is it that you're pushing the air out and then letting the air replenish its, itself with the expansion of your lungs naturally? And then you're kind of just doing the pushing aspect? Or are you breathing in, letting the air out uh, automatically until your lungs are, and then you're just breathing in? So which muscle are you using, the out or the inward? Uh, so in my experience, I feel like the effort is on the inhale. And then the exhale is just letting it go. Um, but it's so fluid. Like, you know, once you hit that rhythm, kind of a rhythmic inhalation, exhalation, that it's easy to not really know <laughs> where the effort's going. Right. But at least at the beginning, it feels like the efforts on the inhale, really like sucking as much air as you can in through your nose and, and then just letting it out through your nose. Like but really releasing. forceful, really like power. I mean, to, to make it so that it burns. That's why I guess they call it the, the breath of fire. Well, my, I don't know. I know that like, I, I thought it was called the breath of fire because you're creating heat from like the, such friction. And uh, yeah, I, I, it might be from that, but I know like I, I get, I literally break a sweat when I do that practice um, in my, and I get high on my own supply as Wim Hof says with that. <laughs> and if one wants to see a great example of a master, like somebody that does it in a masterful level is uh, from the documentary Choke with uh, Hicks and Gracie or yeah, Hicks and Gracie. Uh, there's a part inside that, uh, that actually went into uh, making as well the Hulk movie. There's a, in the Hulk with, uh, oh, what's his name? Anyways, it doesn't matter. If you go and look at the documentary Choke, he does it like perfect. It's absolutely insane. And he talks about his journey of while, do, while doing this in front of his teacher, he got lost into his, self i guess and started to cry and the teacher knew that at this point he had nothing else to teach him because he had wow. mastered the breath of fire and like more than that like he's got nothing to teach him in jujitsu and nothing because the breath of fire showed his teacher his guru um that that's when you know you're ready and it was so spiritual on so many levels that's brilliant uh, so as you were sharing that i because i had not heard of the choke documentary I, I just quickly looked it up so it looks like it's uh, the Gracie, the Gracie Academy, like yes. the, yeah, and uh, UFC or jujitsu. Well, the guy Gracie, the Gracie family is the one that created created UFC. They're the one that wanted to know which martial arts was the the best martial arts in the world. And I don't know if you remember, but the first UFC, like one, two, three, was like karate versus sumo versus wrestler versus wow. kung fu, and there was no weight limit. Like a, a fat guy could be fighting a small guy, and you could punch in the nuts like there was no rules it's basically which martial arts is the best one it's the gracie family that brought that forward and in the end it turns out that jujitsu was the supreme the supreme uh yeah martial arts that could beat all of them and now that's why you see in mma you can't win if you don't have jujitsu wrestling punching uh when it comes to boxing like it it's all or nothing 
but jujitsu was a big part of it. Like if you would just study one martial art and you would be a master in each one, jujitsu wins at every time, every so single time. So it's fundamental ground game. You got to have it. Yes, because what jujitsu brings to the table is a lot more than just a martial art. It brings spirituality. It brings that uh, you have to take your time into anything. You can't rush the fight. You can't rush um, and you can't rely on on luck. It has to be your own effort. As you're getting choked and somebody's on top of you, that's like 200 pounds heavier than you, you just have to wait it out and you have to become one with your body to be able to sustain this type of pressure and this type, because it is like on top of a physical pressure, like it's a mental pressure. When somebody's on top of you and you can barely breathe, the breath, that's why they turn, they turn to the breath. And they, they also say like, you have to breathe from the nose. The nose breathing is important. And that's why they do the breath of fire through the nose, like no matter what. As Even if you can just inhale a little bit of breath, stay there until the, the other guy gets tired, until the other guy does a mistake. You have to stay with you and spirituality at all time to be able to win any fight. And it's crazy. It's a, yes. So they really bring a spiritual aspect to it. That is brilliant. You know, yeah. as you're talking about jujitsu and the parallel with spirituality, it made me think of uh, a Joe Rogan podcast where he had a, um, a I don't know if he's a Zen Buddhist or um, what his exact title is, but his name is Rag- Ragunath Kapo. Yes. Oh, he was a monk. Are you familiar with this man? Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me the story from your point of view. Oh, it's just they did a podcast where they talk about a lot of fascinating topics and one of them was how um so how joe rogan and uh, capo met before rogan's you know success as a podcaster and how uh, how they did jujitsu together and that there was just a lot of bonding and community over it and you know when you're in there and you're wrestling or i don't not wrestling but when you're competing against each other you want to win you're doing your best to win but it, after, when it's all said and done you shake hands and like you, you feel closer to these, to these men that you, that are helping you become better and becoming a sharper instrument for, for life. And uh, so it's interesting to hear you make the parallel back to spirituality uh, because it, it makes such a a parallel as well to current life about just a simple impression that, what is it? Hard man makes life easier. uh, makes life softer which creates soft man, which makes life harder. And we need hard men in the society. Like, you know, the thing that we've been running away from in this, in this life, in this journey of not confronting our masculine, masculinity, because it is frowned upon to, to fight, to uh, tease, uh, to, you know, like as men, I grew up with a lot of teasing, like, uh, calling each other cocksuckers to, uh, you know, like using derogatory words in order to build ourselves up in a way that I guess only um, people who fight, who play in this masculine energy, because I don't want to reserve it only for men, because I noticed that for, I know a lot of girl friends that I have that tease the same way to grow bonds. You know, it's not always about loving accepting surrendering often you have to bring in some hard elements inside the the play the friendship the growing to 
there's something unique about that that cannot be denied. And when you're rolling in jujitsu, it's that's that's what you bring in. It's like there's an intensity there that you don't want to get choked out. You don't want like it's scary, even though you know the other guy has your your body in his hands, especially if he's more experienced. It still is scary to run out of breath and to have somebody going all the way to choking you until you tap, until you say, I can't take any more. Like you got me. I'm gonna pass out. And even like when you tap too early, often your partner will be like, Hey, you could have you could have done this, you could have done this. I know you got scared. Let's do it again. And you got this, you know, like don't tap too early. That you know, there's there's something about that that one more step, one more second, two more seconds. You never know when the opportunity is going to show itself for you to, to grow and have an experience. Like it, it's so crazy. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like when it comes to the masculine energy and how it's being suppressed or personally, it's not being suppressed in my world, but in the news and schools, I feel like it's being suppressed. Yeah. I'd say in school, when I think back on my experience, I, school i feel like boys were you know told that you're too rowdy like don't be rowdy sit still um but so in that way i feel like masculinity is constricted within the academic or within the public schooling system uh at home i didn't get that i was able to run wild and you know play in the forest and fight and i got all kinds of fights and you know like you said uh, there's something about like other boys making fun of one another where you bond over it you know like oh you're a shithead you're you know, like you literally tell your mama jokes kind of thing to uh to bond in some way like you're making fun of someone else but as far as the masculine energy being sharp or penetrating um i do I do think there's a lot of pushback on the masculine energy. Like, I mean, I coming from Seattle, there's um, strong feminist culture and there's jargon and rhetoric around like masculinity being toxic. And that's what comes to mind. And you're talking about uh, what you just did It's like, you know, I, I actually don't think masculinity is toxic. I think that, the masculine and feminine are equal parts and they, they both are in need of being honored and, and encouraged. One shouldn't dominate the other, although the masculine energy tends to be presented as dominant. Um, I mean, even within the feminist culture, it's the patriarchy, you know, this language of this oppressive system that keeps, keeps feminine energy down and and um i'm i'm not like I'll, I'll be the first to say like i'm not super well versed in feminism but that's what that is the brand of feminism that i've been exposed to within seattle and it was very off-putting um so we went from i went from talking about my childhood and school and experiencing like that being kind of constrictive to masculinity to ending up in the talking about feminism, which uh, I don't really know how those two things connect, but here we are. <laughs> so. well, I feel like from, because uh, from my point of view, uh, growing up with a lot of female energy, I've never fought ever, like in my life, I've never, I never threw a punch. 
I never was in a fight ever. And mm. I saw two fights in my life and both of them were to me really violent and I didn't quite understand, but I did work in construction. I did work with a lot of men and doing kind of manly stuff. And when it comes to what you were saying, how masculinity shows itself uh, because the play of masculinity between let's say you engage with me and we decide to play together, then there will be a dominant aspect inside the game that makes the game fun, interesting, worth learning in many levels, right? Because if you are the loser of this dominant games, there is something to learn here. If you are the winner of this dominant game, there's also something to learn about. But in the end, when it comes to those words like feminism, masculinity, especially when it comes to society, I really believe that if you empower any of those feelings, it'd be masculine, feminine, you name it, like all of the feelings that you can think of, any of those feelings can hurt another if you don't bring honor into the game. I, I really right. believe like honor, the base of honor. If you are practicing feminism with honor, it's going to be amazing. If you're practicing the game of dominance with another man or even another female and you're doing it with honor, because often, not often, because I can see scenarios where if somebody is so weak, it'd be feminine or masculine on the other side, and you bring this dominance feeling with honor because it needs to be done for the other person to snap out of it, to grow, to, you know, like sometimes you need a nice slap in the face to snap out of it and be like, fuck, you're right. You're right. Okay. Let mm -hmm. me get out of this phase. Let me bring honor in my life so that you can stop this dominance dance that we're doing and be, you know, whatever the next step. So if you bring honor into every part of your life, any feelings, you can't go wrong. Like it almost seems like the ultimate key for growth. Like, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with, with you, what you're saying there. Um, so for using anytime we're using a title, right? Masculine, feminine, and we're doing our best to express through this language, we are, we're identifying, well, if I'm using it, then I'm identifying with one or the other, or maybe both. But if I'm over-identified with masculinity and I'm still, res but I'm respecting self and respecting the feminine energy in the room and just the person in the room, it doesn't matter how they identify, then I, I agree that it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a um, wonderful human exchange. It's when someone, it's when one or the other person is so identified that they, they use it as a superiority card so to say it's like oh i'm i'm the you know i'm i'm the powerful man and i'm it's okay for me to be dominant you need to be submissive like that's unhealthy um it's also unhealthy for in my experience for the feminine energy to try to demasculine demasculate what's the right how, how would you say that oh, demasculate de de yeah de demasculate whatever it sounds great either or <laughs> to to essentially tell someone else they're not okay for being how they are. Um, so I think you nailed it. Honor, respect. Um, if these are at the center, everything else falls into place. A hundred percent. And you called it too. Like when you get really attached to emotion, usually you get attached to any emotion because of a trauma of your past. Like I didn't get enough love. So I get attached to 
this type of dominance and that's unhealthy and same with like uh you were we were talking about like a, a teacher and a student a real teacher will not get attached to the title of teaching and so that way he's going to remain a student he's going to remain humble to the experience and he's going to understand that whatever he's teaching it's going to come right back at him through the students uh behavior action words or whatever in in a, in such a growth in a, in a meaningful way so as soon as you get attached to anything like oh i worked hard to be a teacher i deserve this well you've got trauma there maybe you didn't enjoy a teaching school or whatever it may be or maybe one of your teacher uh, left a mark on you because he behaved this or that way i really really resonate with the idea of as soon as you get attached to anything it's gonna it's gonna create more trauma in you and others And like I was saying, you know, I've lately in the last few days, I noticed that honor seems to be the one that unlocks uh, that attachment in a way that I can still feel like I'm a teacher, but I'm also feeling honor and therefore a student. Like, it's okay to feel like you want to play this dominant game and you want to feel like this big ass gorilla when you win. That's okay, man. You bring that fucking gorilla in your life and you really go into the darkness of that gorilla. But at the same time, if you have honor with that crazy negative or negative, that dark or whatever, the big gorilla, I call it, uh, then that's awesome. Cause then your gorilla is going to have an honor to it and playing both roles at the same time creates such beauty like when i notice that in somebody else that they can empower such ferocity and honor holy shit like i respect that so go with your attachment feel your attachment your attachments are there for you to fucking grab onto and ride this life experience but also bring honor so that you don't hurt others at the same time like i tell you play play yeah i guess honor brings a playful thing to the experience Yeah, that, I think that that again resonates with with me what, what you're what you're describing there. And I thought when you said the game, like recognize that you're playing a game. Well, if you recognize you're playing a game, then you can recognize that there's someone playing the game, right? There's an identity, and so there's nothing wrong with these identities. If, if you're if you really identify with being competitive, and not that not that being competitive is masculine, but if you identify with being Um, you know, that piercing energy and, and dominant and strong, like, great. Just, just acknowledge when you're in the game and when you're no longer in that game. Like if you're, we'll use jujitsu. If you're in the jujitsu arena, that's the perfect place to, you know, express your, your dominance. But when that, when that game is over, when you're in relationships in a social setting or with your romantic partner, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be moments that call for your masculine strength but it's not always appropriate or like it's just not necessary to always be in that role it's okay to you don't need to crush the little guy who thinks he's strong just to prove that you're strong if you know you what you are what you are there's no you don't have to prove it to anybody you know what you are you just you are as you are um yeah so and i noticed as well like as you empower these whatever and you play the game of life don't worry like The, the game of life will show you what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right. Like same, if you're rolling too hard against a student that is, does not experience, well, that student's going to stop playing with you and you're going to losing, you're going to lose all your rolling partners. And then you're going to have to look back at, okay, I, I think I'm being honorable here, but what am I doing that 
I like, what is life trying to show me? And same, like in your relationship, if you don't bring X energy, or if you do bring this energy or not, life will show you, keep your eyes open, look up, let go of the shame so that you can really look at what life is trying to show you through your own action. And it's okay. Like, I wanted to share an experience yesterday I had with uh, cannabis. I had been sober for a month and uh, I brought it. I, I decided to, to honor it and to, to go and do a walk in nature with one of my friends. And it was showing me, first of all, that to practice the body is such an important thing in order to grow your spirituality. It's not the other way around. For a while, I thought that if I continue to grow spirituality by taking these medicines often, like this medicine, that medicine, that my body would follow and would catch up and I would heal all of the traumas of my body so that it could be better. But it was really showing me that you need to work on the body because the, the soul is already perfect as it is. Like you can go and get the wisdom that you so desire, but if you don't create knowledge and experience by being in life sober, uh, through the experience of what life is showing you doing the dishes, you know, like if you hate doing the dishes, that's an experience that you need to look at to practice and to grow driving. If you're always wanting to go fast and cannabis was really drilling the idea that your experience as the human without any medicine is what will make spirituality grow inside of you tenfold. And on top of that, it was showing me that my body, my sober body wants to be spiritual. Like it wants it from the bottom of its soul. But because for 38 years, I did not practice spirituality with it. It doesn't know how to be spiritual. And I have to now be the master and the, the, the teacher and the student at the same time to my ego. As my ego is screaming bloody murder, I just don't want to be here. I don't want to look at my wife. I don't want to do the dishes. I have to teach it while it's screaming to say, no, bring in mother, bring in spirituality, bring your ancestor to the present moment, ask for help inside your inner monologue and say to your inner monologue, hey, hey, dude, it's okay. We got this. I know you didn't have a lot of practice. That's my bad. I was confused for 38 years. I didn't know that I was light. I didn't know I was a soul. I thought you were me. My bad. So I can't blame it for where it's at. And now I have to teach it to, to grow because it wants to be so spiritual. Like it wants it so freaking bad. And I was so grateful for that teaching yesterday. Does that resonate? Yeah, I'm just listening to, to your, uh, your story and enjoying, enjoying <laughs> the, the aha moments for yourself. I'm, I'm curious if your friend, if your friend that you shared that journey with had any insights or if, if his lessons were similar to yours? Well, I, I'm talking in a, in a, uh, those lessons came from both his journey and my journey, but the beauty about this friend that we are like, I'm so grateful for that, for this friend is that as we are journeying together, it'd be with the mushroom with cannabis, the agreement and the intention that we have together is to allow the other to be fully himself and to when the other person speaks to give him the space that that person deserves and he does that right back to me so as we're tripping i'm gonna go on a flow rant and he's gonna stop and he's gonna really stop what he's doing and look at me and as i'm going through my flow through my feeling so one of them uh right at the beginning is i was flowing on that idea that this body 
is meant for me to grow and to really practice every single little moment. Because as I'm practicing my body and I'm bringing my ancestors into my awareness, then I'm actually doing work for them, for me, for everybody. And then the word honor kept coming in and he was looking at me. And then on the flip side, when I was done my flow, he started his flow and then I shut. And I really, on cannabis, it's hard to do because it's so distracting on any medicine. And then I looked at him and I gave him the space to flow. And then he was flowing about his life, about how his wife, this, the dishes, that, and what's the point of it all. And then, you know, and then that was teaching me something because he was going into the dark and he was exploring the dark with him. And as much as I wanted to empower the teacher, like the teacher kept coming back saying, no, stop him. He's doing the wrong thing. Cause I was not at his level. I kept saying, no. Like I'm giving him space. I'm allowing to play in this darkness and I'm going to play with them. Get out of my face. No matter where you are, ego, this guy, this ego, this soul is going through something. So give it. And as I was giving him the space and he was flowing, the teachings were out of this world. And then I would like, I would learn so many things because you never know what to expect when somebody else is speaking. And often I would be thinking like, oh, but what about this lesson? I'm like, I see you but I'm giving him space. And then he would talk about that. And then I would think of something else. And then I'd say, no, I see you and start go like I stayed with this guy. And the, the best thing that we're able to do with each other is eye contact to not look away, to look at somebody in their eyes as they're speaking to allow the other person to look away. Your job is to look as if you're looking at his soul. And if there's an idea that comes in from either side, from your ego, to say, I see you, but to not look away, to use the physical form as a method to concentrate, to observe, to give space on top of like, because giving space is very spiritual to me, right? But at the same time, it's also very physical and it takes a lot of practice. So that was a, a big thing. Like he was going through his own journey, which was teaching my journey, which was answering his question, which was answering mine which was creating more question. And the entire time that we were flowing, and I don't know about you guys, but if you take a walk in the woods, have a walking stick. It is the most magical grounding thing there is in this world. Like I kept getting that over and over like this, because I have a walking stick. It is so precious to me. Like, I don't know why, do you walk with a stick when you have a chance? Uh, I don't, sorry, <clears throat> throw that there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I usually don't find myself uh, around uh, much in the way of picking up sticks or e even if I'm up in the, the mountains, I guess maybe I haven't really been looking for them though. So it's, it's uh, enjoyable, enjoyable experience. Oh man. Well, I've got my own that I, that I purchased a long time ago because I've been addicted even before I went to ayahuasca. There was something about practicing shame resilience. Uh, growing up, I always enjoyed uh, walking the woods with a stick, but then Walking with a stick inside a city, you look freaking weird. Like I thought to myself, you look freaking weird. Like that's odd. Why are you doing that? And my wife is a, the one that actually encouraged me because I kept talking about it about like, man, I so want to get a stick because we used to walk a lot in the woods and she's like, you should get one. Like who cares? And my shame was so high. Anyway, she encouraged me. And since then I've been working on chain resilience. Like even going in the city, I bring my stick with me. I'm going to walk with a stick on pavement it feels great. It almost feels like the uh, the sole of your shoes, because they're made out of uh, rubber, that there's a connection that is being missed 
with earth, with mother nature, that is super woo woo, but that I totally believe, like totally believe, like if you're holding that stick and that stick is made out of wood and it's touching the ground, there's something about that, that just invigorates, uh, brings creativity, imagination, love, like you name it. And as we were talking and going through traumas together back and forth to hit the stick on the ground is like, it felt like mother nature welcomes it because you're doing little holes that is going to make so that the, the, the ground can breathe. So you're actually doing a favor to the ground as you're doing little holes here and there because you're, you're irrigating it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm telling you if, yeah, uh, if, if ever you get a chance, it's uh, it's a mystical experience. Uh, you feel like a wizard and yeah i'm crazy and i'm insane but I, i'm not i'm not turning back and that's a big thing yesterday that cannabis was really sinking in that the time the time for doubting is done like it's done i believe in god period i believe in mother period i believe in plant medicine spirits i believe that my ancestors are pushing me forward i believe that when i work on this body by doing the dishes and by doing the things that needs to be done but doing it with honor that I'm actually growing spiritually, like on so many levels. Yeah, that I connected that so much. Um, so I like that you, when you're doing doing it with intention, when you're present. Um, just yesterday, the word I've been using is ritual, right? Like when you bring intention, you're you're having a ritual. Um, there's honor. There's there's um, contemplation and stillness also so doing the dishes yesterday and then sweeping and mopping the house and like just doing housework right like when i'm in school these are the kind of tasks that i feel like are extra burdens to me i'm like god i don't have time to do that um and slowing down if you remember like in our last conversation i i echoed the navy seal uh term or saying which is uh what is it? Fast is no, no. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. And like holding that mantra and like slowing down, being present for the dishes, being present for the cleaning, and then making parallels to other parts of life. I realized like, oh, I, I took hot water, scolding hot water and like clean the sink pipes. And I was like, you know, how often do I spend time cleaning the outside of my life, but I don't take the time to clean the, the inside. And, and I'm, I'm talking more like fasting, like cleaning out the the gut, giving myself, because I eat every day, three meals a day or lots of snacks and all those things, right? Health-wise. And it's like, there's these parallels that are happening as I'm slowing down and cleaning the the physical house that parallel to my own like behavior and, and routines. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I should, I should apply what I'm doing here with the sinks to my own gut and maybe do some inter- intermittent fasting or instead of doing solids for a week, maybe switch to juice and smoothies. Like it just got me thinking about that. And I thought how, how valuable just taking the time, slowing down, entering a space of intention and how that changes the orientation for the day. So uh, yeah, what what you were saying just sparked that in me. Oh, it changes everything. Like just for example, this morning, I went to see a friend to go walk again. And I said to her, I'm going to be there at eight. But I woke up at 6.30, got to take care of the kids. I got to, you know, got to, got to, got to. And I closed my eyes. I'm like, no, I know for a fact that like, even what you mentioned, I've seen it before in my life. Slow down, do an attention, 
and slow is fast. Like it really is. If you get out of the way and you just allow what needs to be done, what shows up in your awareness and you trust that everything's going to be fine. And I took that approach this morning. I'm like, everything's going to be fine. So did what I need to do. Time is still all around me, right? It's on the stove. It's on the microwave. It's on the wall. And to try to not look at it is a difficult task. So now I kind of go the other way. Like I look at it, that's fine. Trust, I send it to the ancestors. Okay, trust, I send it. So as I'm doing all of my things that show up in the awareness and more stuff show up as you're doing things like, oh man, now I see this. Huh? I just had a, a moment. I stop, I recenter, I give it to the ancestors. That moment of, I, that's one thing I've been doing. Like anytime that I feel uh, frustration or uh, any type of, suffering i call it suffering every time i feel suffering i give it to the, i give it to the ancestors because they're going to take care of it and they're going to do something they're going to transmute it and they're going to push you forward but just because you took the time to think about them they take it willingly and they they're more than happy to take that burden off of you and to push you forward so i feel suffering i send it to them and as i'm doing my task uh, again uh, i start you know, even like taking my coffee, I really wanted my coffee, but then time was running short. And as I finished my coffee, I took a breath. I'm like, I'm going to go sit down for the coffee and I'm going to take as much time that it takes for me to drink that coffee. And I'm going to honor this moment because I trust that it's going to be perfect. Even if I'm late. Okay. Who cares? I, it's everything's going to be perfect. I trust. So I give it all again to the ancestors and I drink honor and I'm doing yes. it in honor of my body, of the spirits of everything. Get into the car. And my car is a great ability. I can turn off the screen and it's so nice that the time is part of that screen. So when I turn off the screen, I, I can't see time. There's no time in my car. And I'm like, I love it. I don't need to see this time, right? So I'm driving. And today I, I continued the practice of, for example, if I'm in the right lane, I'm staying in the right lane because I know I'm going to be going out to the right in like 10 miles or whatever. I'm staying in the right lane. And then there's a big truck that shows up. No, I'm staying right here. I'm giving, giving him space. And then there's cars that go beside me and I know they're going to want to cut me. Well, you know what? I'm going to slow even that more down because these guys want to go fast and I, you know, they're going through something and I want to give them space to go through it. So I back off and I slow myself down to a crawl as if, as if like I was driving so slow, but I was looking up and I was practicing all of those feelings, those uncomfortable feelings that would come up, you know, where I knew that if I stepped on the gas, I could make this, this green light. I'm like, you know what, just because I had this thought, I'm letting go of the gas and I would hit the red light. Fine. Awesome. Great, man. I get there. I park. I turn on the, the, the screen to see what time it is. Eight on the dot on the, I would have, <laughs> I swore that it would have been like 839. No, man. Eight. It was insane. Like slow and steady and giving space. And I really believe it really showed me like time is relative, not just with gravity, time is relative to your feelings. And I know like it might sound woo-woo, but it's the thing that I saw yesterday. If you put metronomes in a, in a room, like a fucking 100,000 metronome, and you start them all individually at a different time, right? And a metronome is like, let's say every second it does the tick and it's, it's measured. Like every second it will do the tick. Well, give it an hour, all the metronomes that got started uh, in different times are gonna be aligned and are going to be ticking at the exact same time. And it makes no sense because every metronome is one second, but it's proven like that's physically, that's what happens. 
if you put a thousand metronomes and you start them all at a different time at the, in the end, they're going to be all synchronized to a T. Really? They, they sync up, huh? Yes. They sync up. What's the, what's the given explanation for that? It's physics. It's a, it's kind of like a, what happens is every tick creates a, a sound wave and then that wave hits the other sound wave like of the other ticker and it's going to slow down through the atmosphere like everything is going to get synchronized because uh, water uh, just synchronizes itself like uh, life it's like the moon and the stars and uh, like the earth that goes around the sun the moon will synchronize itself with the earth and it's basically like physically it's because of the sound waves like they hit each other and then after a while they equalize because uh, life likes to equalize it's like water if you leave water long enough in a glass of water no matter how hard you shake it after a while it's going to be smooth as glass yeah it's so i'm it's, reading spontaneous synchronization is a remarkable collective effect observed in nature whereby a population of oscillating units which have diverse natural frequencies and are in weak interaction with one another evolves to spontaneously exhibit collective oscillations at a common frequency. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think that's, I don't know if that actually applies to the metronomes. Yes, uh, it does. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It that's applies to everything. It any two metronomes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Go on. I'm, I'm all ears. No, but exactly that. If you surrender to life's chaos through your act of giving space like ultimate space then you allow the chaos to settle and to be to become your intention yeah yeah say that one more time so for me like life is chaotic right as you go you're going to hit a red light and everything my intention and i gave it to the spirit was to get there at eight no matter what. And through chaos, through my intention, through my ability to give space, to, to be here and now, to not think of the future, to not think of the past, to give it space, I create order in my awareness, right? Because I, 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 I'm not bringing any chaos in my mind. There's no inner critic. There's no future. There's no past. There's no imagination. It's just my eyes, my ears, and my intention of mm. honor. And as I did the experiment this morning of, I want to be there at eight. And then I allowed chaos to come into my awareness and me to do what was needed to be done. Okay. I need to do the dishes. Oh, look at that. Uh, there's some laundry on the floor. I need to bring that downstairs. Oh, the children are hungry. I need to give them some food. Oh, the wife wants something. I give her to her. Oh, the kids want more banana. No problem. And I, I stayed in honor of my intention. Well, chaos uh, is and time is relative so because i allowed well that's my just my opinion because i allowed my physical body to uh, always be present in honor of my intention and spirit and god it made chaos be chaos chaos is always going to be chaos but in the end it created order and it created what I wanted, what I needed, what, well, what I wanted uh, through my intention and through my hard work in a way. So, you know, I, that's just me flowing. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving it. Just, I'm just soaking it in. Um, yeah, it, it is resonating and it's fascinating. I didn't know that, that 
tidbit about metronomes synchronizing. There's all kinds of, there's all kinds of videos online that show projects or uh, experiments of starting metronomes at different points and then watching them sync up. That's really cool. It even applies for like a swing. So let's say you have a swing with like a heavy ball, right? And you have 10 of these swings and you align them all in a row and you start them in the opposite. Like you pull one ball on one way, you put the other on le right, left, then you let them go and you do that for all 10 of them. After a while, they're all going to be swinging in synchronicity, all of them. And it makes no sense because mathematically, this ball has a weight, this angle and trust it makes it so that it's always going to be on the same time and that's measured. But even if you measure that it has the same frequency, they're still going to align up. And that's the beauty of like what God is trying to show us. It's like, you can measure it all you want. If you like, it's weird, like order finds its way through chaos. There's something, and that's kind of like what we're striving for. Everybody's striving to create order, but you have to let it, you have to, to do it naturally. You can't force it. You can't, you know, it's, a, it's weird. It's an intention thing. Life, the universe has an intention to create an order through chaos, but chaos will always be. But there's a need for order that comes from within, from life itself. And to honor that and to respect it for what it is, it really, to me, like another proof that God exists or that spirits exist or that intention matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the universe's intention is order, but the universe is chaotic, period. So the intention, like, again, it comes back to intention. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it's, it's something that uh, I'm more and more my awareness is tuning into. Like, as you're talking, it, it's been uh, like a reminder of how this week specifically, there's been more, what would you call it? like, and yeah, intention, intent um, to, to slow down, to pay attention to the things that you just overlook. So we, you and I talk a lot about breath and it's easy to just take breath for granted. And that's why it's like when you actually realize how much is going on inside your body, right? Your lungs are exchanging uh, CO, oxygen and CO2, right? Is that right? Yeah, oxygen for CO2. Um, your, your heart, just all the different organs that are supporting you. And when you slow down, like for me, when I slow down, I sort of take stock of that. It, it, ends, it ends up bringing about gratitude and that gratitude has a ripple effect of overall feelings of wellness, which then ripple into my encounters with people and my community with people. Um, so that starts though with the intention, I guess is what I'm, what I'm trying to bring it full circle to is ritual intention. And uh, you, you had said that the universe, how did you say it? The universe and intention and then the universe and chaos. What was your exact saying? The, uh, my exact saying is that you can see that the universe has the intention to create order, but is chaotic at its core. Like there's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're a manifestation of the universe, it would make sense why we ebb and flow between chaos and order and between intention and then just kind of like spontaneous flow. <laughs> yeah. And if you let things be, it will go to chaos, 
and that's the thing as well I wanted to uh, to talk about a little bit is that once you are in the state of flow like once you decide to take a breath and to take a moment to slow down everything becomes easy but that first step to slow down is the hardest hardest thing in the world and the more chaotic your life is the more it's hard for you to be to get into the awareness uh your intention your your uh, your rituals to bring ritual into your life to say okay whoa i need to slow down this is getting chaotic i can see myself going crazy and going faster and faster and then you take that breath and once you're in that flow state and you take that breath it feels like it's the easiest thing in the world and that's yeah. the paradox like no it's so hard to create a practice of inside your body to say whoa stop stop at yeah. any point in time stop that's the hardest thing the practice of telling your body to stop take a breath return to your rituals return to spirituality or return to whatever you want your any ritual you want if you yeah anyone yeah any, anything anything can be ritual anything yeah. can it's where you where you're placing your awareness in with intent. So it's interesting you said you'll tell your body to stop uh, or that was the language you're using. Um, and sometimes it's not about stop. It's like we've been saying, slow down, which yeah. maybe that's being used synonymously. synonymously I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so slow down. It's Don't just jump in, look around or look within and return return to your place of centeredness return and then go back out or go 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 uh, experience the world again <laughs> in, a, in a new with new eyes and that speaks volume too because just like the marines right take that like slow down Sl uh, like slow down take your breath in order for you to really speed up because you know let's say you're going into a situation where it's going to be only reactions right well, to do the slow down the ritual of slowing down, bringing your intention, bringing the bread, whatever you need to bring in, in order to go full out, you know, full out uh, without thoughts and without like only reaction, that's that's what the seals talk about. Like it's going to be extreme. You're going to have to go and get, kill some guys. It's going to be so extreme. You have, you will have no time to think. So let's do it now in order for you to go full on chaotic and it's going to work out because you created intention. It's almost like you looked in the future and say, that's what I want to have. How do I get there? And the answer is always, you know, rituals, you know, uh, remember your, your training, remember God, remember spirituality, whatever, like, remember your training is a big one for me. It's remember the training that you've done with mother, with God, with your friends, um, and for the seal, remember your training and even them, I'm sure has to bring spirituality in because it involves a lot of life and death situation and you have to be okay with death and, you know, um, and for a greater purpose, the army, the entire machine, you know, whatever it may be. So it really, really resonates. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so I don't want to cut it too short, but I know that you have the intention to really honor uh, your, your, your beautiful girlfriend. Um, I was wondering, do you think it, it feels good to stop it now so that we can go uh, honor other things in our life? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Let's go ahead and put a stop for now and there'll always be more more ahead for us. A hundred percent. Any conversation, any and all conversation with you. And it's cool because I I know I could talk to you forever. <laughs> so I feel like I've <laughs> known you for a million years. So thank you so much for the experience. 
you you may just have i may i may have known you in many 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 lives before i'm sure but we're gonna have to talk about that when we talk about our our journey into ayahuasca together i just mm-hmm. want to preface when i've met you i was like do i know you man i feel like i've known you like it's, it's yeah. crazy the first time i saw you that was the first thing that came out of my mind and you were like, well, I am the uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really do get this um, question asked to me just about everywhere I go. No joke. Like all over the world where I've traveled, I've had people go, you look so familiar. Do you have a brother? Oh, man, I swear I've met you or your brother somewhere. And it's just like, yeah, I have a brother, but he looks nothing like me. And, uh, and then I've gotten to like, man, I, j- I just know you from somewhere. So I'm like, yeah, I guess I've just got a familiar face. Uh, it's an ongoing theme. I must have known a lot of different uh, people in my in my previous lives. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm leaning to. And the work that you've done uh, in this life and in the previous life is paying, is paying so well. So thank you for being you, my friend. No, oh, thank you for being you. Thanks again for inviting me into your, your podcast and inviting me into your, your thoughts and your, your heart. It's wonderful. Always a pleasure. All right. Monkey and Frank forever. I love you guys.